So we spoke about last time the difference between a kitab and a sahifa. What are the four major books in Islam? And what are we obligated to believe with regards to them? And if there are any other potential books, um, what do Muslims say regarding them as well? Today we'll be exploring the fourth article of faith, which is belief in angels. So belief in angels is one of the six pillars of belief or faith without which there is no faith. A person who rejects the concept of angels, he automatically casts himself outside of the fold of Islam. Whoever does not believe in any of these pillars, he's not a Muslim. These pillars are amongst uh, the fundamentals of deen, and hence, belief in angels is also a, an obligation, a prerequisite to be considered a Muslim. And angels are a part of the world of the ghaib, alam al-ghaib. What does ghaib mean? Ghaib means the unseen, which we cannot comprehend, which we cannot verify with our senses. There's no amount of telescopes or microscopes that will enable us to see angels. Okay? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has purposely made them invisible to us. There are specific individual human beings who may have had the fortune, the blessing of seeing angels, but this was by the permission of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and this was due to supernatural feats. For example, the prophets alayhim salam, who were in direct communication with angels. <clears throat> Allah has told us about them in many places in the Quran through his prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And there follows a number of authentic reports concerning the angels, which hopefully will make you realize the greatness of the creator and the greatness of his religion, which has told us so much about them. So number one, let's go through a short description of the angels. Right? What exactly are they? Number one, they are beings that are created from nur, from light. See, human beings are made from clay, meaning from a mixture of earth and water. Jinns, another unseen creation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, are created from the element of fire. And angels are created from nur, from light. Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha reported that the messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa said, the angels are created from light, just as the jinn are created from smokeless fire, and mankind is created from what you have been told. This is a narration of Muslim, and it's an authentic narration. They are physical beings, not spirits. They aren't spirits. They're not something in, you know, uh, that move along with the wind or that are formless. No, from a hadith, we know that they have physical corporeal bodies. For example, they possess wings. Some angels, it said that they possess thousands of wings. Also angels, they are not like human beings in the sense that they do not eat, they cannot sleep, they do not drink, they don't procreate, etc. Right? They don't have these human qualities. During the time of Nuh it's reported that when he announced himself as a prophet and invited his people to the truth, they mocked him. And they asked Nuh why would Allah send a man like you to convey his message? Why did Allah not send an angel to us instead, who are pure beings? Now the answer to this is, the reason why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala chosen his messengers to specifically be human beings is to show other human beings how to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That a man like us, a human being like us, 
can show us that despite our physical and mental limitations, despite our, you know, the features of human weakness, we can still find a way to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and be obedient to him, right? Regarding the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam, the kuffar of Mecca, the Quraysh, they would mock him and say that what? Did Allah send a man like us who walks amongst the markets, marketplaces? You know, he does his day-to-day -day tasks. He raises a family. He feels pain. He has the human limitations, human need for drink, for food, for rest, etc. And that's exactly why Allah sent it, to show that human beings are capable of serving Allah. If Allah had sent an angel, angels don't suffer from these features, from these weak features. And hence, you can say it's easier for angels to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala than it is for a human being to worship Allah. And that's why the scholars say that if a human being is obedient to Allah, despite all these trials and tribulations, despite all his difficulties, he has the potential of becoming superior to the angels. And that's the very reason why the angel that the Anbiya the prophets, are considered to be superior to the angels, despite the fact that they have these features, human features. At the same time, since Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given us the gift of intellect, the ability to discern between what's right and wrong, if we don't utilize these capacities, then we also have the unfortunate potential of becoming worse than the animals themselves. So the hu human beings have two possibilities. They can either use their capabilities and surpass the status of the angels, or they can ignore the many blessings that Allah has given them and become worse than the animals by disobeying Allah. They can also assume various forms as well. There are many times, for example, it's narrated in a hadith of Bukhari that sometimes Jibreel alayhi salam would come in the form of a human being. Once in authentic hadith it's mentioned that Rasulullah was sitting amongst his companions, Abu Bakr, Umar, Uthman, عنهم, they were all present. And from a distance, they saw a very handsome man approaching them. And this handsome man had very dark hair. And the Sahaba, immediate by looking at him, understood that he is not a native inhabitant of Medina, the city of Medina. Otherwise, they would have been familiar with who he is. At the same time, he did not look like a traveler. He did not have the marks of a traveler, a traveler upon him. His hair wasn't disheveled. His clothes wasn't dirty or stained. And this very handsome man with this very strange aura, he sat in front of Rasulullah and he asked Rasulullah four questions. Once, first he asked him, what exactly is Islam? Then he asked him, what is Iman? Then he asked them that what is Ihsan, the concept of Ihsan. And then Jibreel السلام, this individual who was Jibreel asked him that what are, when is Qiyamah? This is a very detailed hadith. But the, for the purposes of our hadith, after the Jibreel السلام, received and was satisfied with the answers that Rasulullah had given him and had left, Rasulullah informed them that indeed was Jibreel السلام, who had come in human form. And he resembled the Sahabi Dihya Kalbi. Why Dihya Kalbi? Because he was considered to be the most handsome amongst the Sahaba. So Jibreel sometimes would assume the form of a very handsome man. On another instance, after Rasulullah had 
received his first revelation in the cave of Hira when Surah Iqra' Bismi Rabbika Alladhi Khalaq was revealed. There was a pause of three years in which no revelation came to Rasulullah. And just when Rasulullah started to doubt whether it had actually occurred to him or not, he started to question his own sanity. Jibreel automatically appeared. And he was sitting on a throne, on a chair, that was suspended between the earth and the sky, according to Hadith of Bukhari. So he appeared in that form as well. Sometimes when Jibreel brought revelation, he would assume not a physical form, but rather in the form of a sounding bell, a ringing bell. It sound like, you know, they say that uh, meaning that it sounded like, you know, something was uh, being struck upon and ringing. So the angels have the capacity to assume various forms and therefore we can deduce from them that they are very powerful creatures. They're endowed with supernatural strength. To give an example of this, it's mentioned in another narration that once Ibrahim alayhi salam, the forefather of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam, the patriarch of the Jews, he once had a knock on his door and three very handsome individuals appeared in front of his door. And they described themselves as travelers, as wayfarers, and they sought shelter at the house of Ibrahim alayhi salam. So Ibrahim alayhi salam gave them shelter. And Ibrahim alayhi salam had prepared some food for them. And when it was brought, they just sat there strangely smiling. Remember, angels don't eat. So then Ibrahim was a bit perturbed. Who are these individuals? And then they revealed themselves. And it was actually Jibreel, it was Mikael, and Israfil, regarding whom we will go into a bit more detail. There are three different angels. And they told Ibrahim that they are on their way to carry out the order of Allah to exact punishment on the people of Lut who were guilty for many sin, sins amongst them was homosexuality. And once they reached the town or the, the city of uh, uh, where Lut people lived, they completely turned it upside down, thereby punishing the people for their sins. So they were beings that have immense supernatural strength. In another hadith, it's mentioned the famous incident of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam descending from Ta'if. See, after many years of trying to preach to the people of Mecca, but being constantly frustrated and rejected, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam decided to try his luck amongst the people of Ta'if, which was a city situated about eight kilometers away from Mecca, a mountainous city. And the people turned Rasulullah out. And not only did they reject his message, they set the street urchins and the children after Rasulullah to pelt them with stones for miles ahead. And once Rasulullah had finally escaped their mob, the mob of life, he took refuge in the mountains and he was bleeding profusely and he was trying to rest. And at that critical moment, Jibreel had descended to Rasulullah. And looking at the pitiful situation of Rasulullah, he gave an option to Rasulullah saying that I have brought with me another angel. With Jibreel was another angel. And this angel is in charge of the mountains. If you so wish, Ya Rasulullah, we can, if on your order, we can crush the people of Ta'if between two mountains, obliterating them for 
you know, uh, their mistreatment of you. And Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam being rahmatullahi being the mercy for mankind and being a compassionate person, he begged Jibreel alayhi salam to not exact that punishment, but rather give them time. Perhaps one day, even if they don't accept Islam, perhaps their progeny will one day accept Islam. And that's exactly how it turned out. Many years later, Aisha radiallahu anha had once asked Rasulullah that what was your lowest point? And Rasulullah replied it was at that point at Uhud when he had been rejected by the people of Taif and, uh, sorry, not Uhud, the people of Taif, and he was um, stoned by them. Anyways, so we know from this incident that there are angels that are capable of moving the mountains even. So there are beings that are endowed with supernatural strength. There are beings, there are angels who are upholding or carrying the thrones, throne of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as, as well. And you can imagine how immense the throne, the arsh of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would be. It's above the entire creation, the entire universe and everything in it. And another feature of the angels is that there are beings that never disobey Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They are in a constant state of obedience. They, in fact, do not even have the capability of disobeying Allah. Allah commands them and they naturally follow. That's why according to Islamic theology, we believe that Iblis was not a fallen angel. See, according to biblical sources, according to many Christians, they believe that Iblis, the devil, the enemy of mankind, the father of all the bad shayateen, he was actually an angel and he had fallen from grace. He had fallen out of favor from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and he turned to the dark ways. But according to Islamic theology, Iblis was not an angel, but rather he was from amongst the jinn. And jinn, just like mankind, they are capable of disobeying Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But angels don't have the concept of free will. Right? They are like, in a sense, they are conscious beings, but in a sense, they are mechanical. An order is given, and they simply do as they are commanded. So these are some features of the angels that are mentioned. Now, when were they created? We have no knowledge of precisely, one brother is asking when were they created? We have no knowledge of precisely when, when they were created because there's no textual evidence that can inform us of this fact. But what we do know is that they were created before mankind for certain because in the Quran, and the interpretation of the meaning is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in Surah Baqarah, behold, your Lord said to the angels, I will create a vicegerent on earth. Meaning that before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had created Adam alayhi salam, he had gathered the angels and asked their opinion. And Allah asks their opinion not because Allah needs their opinion or that Allah, not because Allah needs their counsel. Allah is above that, but rather to serve as a lesson for mankind in the future, right? So that they can learn something from their answer. And the angels, they replied that, you know, what need is there to create mankind who will create violence and cause bloodshed? based on the description of what you've said about mankind, we are here to serve you. And Allah replied that I know that which you do not know. Anyways, the fact that Allah had asked this question to the angels before the creation of mankind simply tells us that the angels existed much longer before, way before the existence of man. But when exactly were they created, we don't know. Now, in Islamic theology, there are four famous angels, just like how there are four famous books, there are four famous angels. And the greatest of all the angels is Jibreel alayhi salam, who is described in the following report. 
as Abdullah ibn Mas'ud said, the Messenger of Allah وسلم, saw Jibreel in his true form. He had 600 wings, each of which covered the horizon. This is Jibreel's true form. It's 600 wings. Each one covered the entire horizon, meaning he was a massive creature. There fell, upon, there fell from his wings jewels, pearls, and rubies. Only Allah knows about them. This hadith was narrated by uh, uh, it's narrated in the Musnad of, Ahna, uh, Musnad of Ahmad and Ibn Kathir says that it's Jayyad. The Messenger of Allah وسلم, also said, describing Jibreel, I saw Jibreel descending from heaven, heaven and his great size filled the space between heaven and earth. So Jibreel والسلام, was a massive creature. Also Jibreel is the chief of all the other angels. He's the boss of all the other angels. Jibreel is described as the chief angel, and that's why he was tasked with the very significant and important and honorable responsibility of conveying the message of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to the prophets of mankind. Every single prophet that ever came received wahi from Jibreel. So you can imagine how knowledgeable Jibreel was as well. Not only did he have the knowledge of the full sharia that was given, the full law or code or text that was given to Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa but Jibreel had full knowledge of the ancient books that were revealed to Isa alayhi which was the Injil, the ancient books that were revealed to Dawood alayhi which was the Zabur or the Psalms, and the ancient book of the Torah, which was revealed to Musa alayhi and every single other book, minor book, Sahifa, that was revealed. <clears throat> also, Another major angel is Mikael alayhi salam. Now, who is Mikael alayhi salam? Mikael alayhi salam is the angel that is described as being the angel that is in charge of the rain, the rain, the weather, etc. Mikael and all those other angels that work under him are busy regulating it according to the command of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah says in the Quran, whoever is an enemy to Allah and his angel and prophets, to Jibreel and Mikael, lo Allah is an enemy to those who reject faith. This is mentioned in Surah Baqarah. So Mikael al-Islam is a great angel of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that Allah has honored as well. And the third angel is that of Israfil alayhi salam. Who exactly is Israfil alayhi salam? He is the angel that is created to, for one purpose. And his purpose is to blow the trumpet on the day of judgment. According to our tradition, based on the ahadith, we know that this world will one day come to an end. And that end, what's known as the zero hour, the last hour, will be initiated, will commence after Israfil has been commanded to blow this trumpet that will cause the entire world and the entire universe and its elaborate systems and throw it up into chaos until everything is destroyed. And then at that time, every single individual will die, even the angels will die, and only Allah will remain. Thereafter, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will recreate Israfil alayhi salam and he will command him to blow the trumpet for the third time, oh, sorry, for the second time, which will cause the second creation, meaning all of mankind that had ever existed, all of the jinns and all of the angels will be recreated and the day of judgment will commence. And the fourth greatest angel is that of Israel alayhi salam. 
Azrael is the angel of death. And his task is to retrieve the soul of every single human being, every single living creature. Him and all the angels that work for him, they are busy carrying out this task. For Muslims who obey Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, who are righteous people, who had correct aqidah, they had correct beliefs, when they pass away, their death, as Rasulullah said, will be a gift to them. Their souls will be taken away in a very peaceful and tranquil manner. And when that person's soul is being taken away, time will freeze for him on this, in this world. And the angels of death will come to him, giving him glad tidings of his abode in Jannah. And those individuals who disobey Allah, whose aqidah is not correct, who are sinful people, their souls will not be taken in such a tranquil manner. Rather, Azrael and his followers, you can say his henchmen, will come in a very scary form to rip the soul off of that individual from his body, bit by bit, starting from his feet. And they'll be giving him bad tidings of his abode in Jahannam and the doom that awaits him. So we have four angels, Jibrail, Mikail, Israfil, and Azrael. And we are obligated to believe and honor all of these angels. That's why we say alayhi salam after mentioning each of their names. There are many other angels that we know, but regarding these four, we are obligated to believe and we should know them by name. But there are other angels as well. For example, we have Munkar and Nakir, who are the angels that will question us in the grave. Then we have the angel Malik, who will be in charge of the who is in charge of the gates of hell. And then we have, for example, the angels which are known as Kiram and Katibin, meaning the honored scribes. And they sit upon each of our shoulders, right on the right and left side, and they are busy in writing our deeds, whether they be good or bad. And like this, there are so many other angels, but these are the four archangels or the major angels. And the tasks of the angels are varied. Right? Some angels, like Jibreel alayhi salam, actually it's only Jibreel alayhi salam, they're tasked with revelation, bringing revelation to the prophets. And that job is done now because revelation has come to an end. The prophet Muhammad was the last person, the last prophet that would ever receive revelation until the day of judgment. Some of them are busy regulating the means of sustenance. That's the job of Mikail alayhi salam and his followers. Blowing the trumpet, that's the job of Israfil, as I said, collecting the souls of living creatures. That's the task of Azrael alayhi salam. And protecting humans from harm and evil. Some angels are appointed by Allah to protect us from harm and evil. Those of us who stay in a state of wudu, in a state of dhikr, meaning the remembrance of Allah, who abstain from sin, who keep the company of pious people, they are constantly in the gatherings or the company of angels. And the reason why we are always taught to draw the company of the angels is because they protect us from any negative forces. The more angels we have around us, the less we are susceptible to the effects of the jinn and the shayateen, the effects of sihr and magic, etc. They are also, some angels are also appointed for blowing the soul into a fetus, right? When the child reaches about four months in the mother's womb, that's when the angel comes and he brings the order of Allah, whether this individual is going to be a boy or girl, how long he's going to live, etc., etc. And like I said, some angels are in charge of writing our good and bad deeds. That's Munkar and, oh, sorry, that's Kiram and Katibin. And some of them 
are there to administer punishment to the people of Jahannam. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala save us. Right? Like this, we know of a few tasks that the angels are appointed, but the number of angels are numerous. Right? They, are un- they, are not, they cannot be counted. It's, it's stated that angels, they make the waf around the Kaaba or the Bayt al-Ma'mur, which is above the Kaaba, somewhere in the skies. And at any given time, it's stated that 70,000 angels are making tawaf of the Bayt al-Ma'mur. And these 70,000 angels only get once, one opportunity in their entire lifetime to do that tawaf. And every day a new batch of 70,000 come. So you can imagine how many angels there are out there. As Muslims, we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to always keep us in the company of angels throughout our lives and every single moment, especially at the time of death. Because if we can attract the angels at the time of death, it will be easier for us to recite the kalima, la ilaha illallah, the testimony, the shahada, that will inshallah enable us or you know, make it easy for us to gain admission into paradise. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect us all. Uh, Junaid, are there any questions that you see? Can you please let me know? What's the, I got one question here. What's the difference between a jinn and a angel. So the there are two completely different species. The jinn are actually, um, you know, a creatures that are made from fire, right? They are a different race completely. Their nature is completely different. And angels are fundamentally made from light. Jinns are capable of disobeying Allah, and they will be susceptible. Uh, they will either be subject. They're all they're all subjected to a test, a trial in this world, like how human beings are they'll one day either end up in hell or one day either end up in Jannah based on their deeds, right? Allah says in the Quran, that I've not created jinn and angels except to worship me. Whereas angels, there is no heaven or hell for them, right? They don't, because they're not being tested. They are not beings that have any sort of free will. So the question of a trial or tribulation is meaningless. Okay. Any other questions? Mm-hmm. Okay, Jazakallah Khair, we'll end off here. And, and next week, inshallah, we will begin um, exploring the next tenet of faith, which is which pertains to the day of Qiyamah and its associated signs. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.